0: Welcome everybody, Many Happy Returns. By choosing that sort of as a title, I hope you realize it's going to be quite lighthearted. And I wanted really that lovely Irish song about the spinning wheel, a wheel within a wheel that keeps on turning. There is no beginning, there is no end. But unfortunately, I didn't actually have time to find the tape because that sort of research takes hours. Hmm. When you talk from the top of your head with information you already have, it's, you know, it is much easier. But you see, where where is there a beginning on a wheel? So I'm going to actually take a a bicycle tire. The bicycle tire gives us a point where at the air intake, so I'll stay out there with Genesis chapter 2. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and he became a living soul. So we have air in our tire and it's ready to go. To be added to the rest of the bicycles and to be peddled to be motivated by us individually created from the one source where sparks from a spiritual fire or chips off the old block whichever way you like to look at incarnation <coughs> the beginning might have been like Kay's Allium that she gave me i think that's most wonderful shape mm. the middle and then the sparks that fly off with the seeds in the end so we are those seeds probably put beautifully in shorthand in the Bible for us there are many great creation stories but creation really is an expression of love because when you feel creative you actually feel it coming from inside you and God's creation was an expression of love like our children for us was an expression of our love If that's uncomfortable for you, call it the Big Bang, but I think probably most of us here are quite happy if I just use the shorthand and call it God. It's echoed in nature everywhere. Mother Nature is great manifestation and teacher of the divine. We, of course, are the greatest, but Mother Nature can teach us everything we need to know if we actually are aware of what's going on in Mother Nature. So, it's about time, if we're the greatest, that we lived up to our birthright. If we could only remember why, how, who, etc. Who we are. So, I'm just sort of saying, coming at the point where I am at. And I know that I'm physical. I know that I have an etheric body. I know that I have an astral body. And I know that I have a spiritual body. So, when I talk about us human beings, I sort of accept all that. Here, the Bible is actually our next book of clues on our treasure hunt because our life is a treasure hunt and the Bible is a book of clues they're not obvious, they're often deeply hidden they're often misinterpreted but it is our book of clues and what are we looking for really? We're looking for the crock of gold at the end of a rainbow so we turn to our book of clues and we look at the story of the rainbow and we find that it was a covenant between God and ourselves that he would be always with us he had one or two changes of mind once or twice and had to be persuaded not to get rid of humanity altogether and it appears after the clearing of a rainstorm a rainbow appears when there's been a great clearing and a wind and a rain and the light comes again and there is the rainbow to remind us of God's covenant And inside us, we have the chakra-colored aura system of the rainbow again. So it's without, and it's within. And it's a sort of really consoling promise. So there is a constancy, and a cleansing, and a revitalizing every time we need it. It is the great law of cause and effect showing itself. And I think the light has to shine through the water at an angle of about 45 degrees to split the colours is what I remember from long ago we are made in God's image we're not actually made like him yet that's the bit we've got to do we're made in God's image and our potential is deep within us and in the Piscean age the potential was sort of egged on by suffering I'm afraid and purification Pisces has been quite a hard 2,000 years Jesus the Christ came in at the very beginning of those 2,000 years, at probably one of the lowest points in the evolution of mankind. We've got to achieve our individual Christhood or Christ consciousness for this sort of next, well, 2,000 years gone and probably more than 2,000 years to come. It was a sort of beginning for us. Christ was a sort of beginning on this wheel that has no beginning. It was definitely a great shove-up-the-backside for mankind in his evolutionary path. John Macefield writes, You know, we can't, like a lot of literature, art, etc. tells us, we can't do it all in one go. Be perfect. But you see, it's in many lifetimes. It's not in one lifetime. John Macefield writes, I hold that when a person dies His soul again returns to earth Arrayed in some new flesh disguise Another mother gives him birth With sturdier limbs and brighter brain The old soul takes the road again Such is my belief and trust This hand, this hand that holds the pen Has many a hundred times been dust And turned to dust and dust again These eyes of mine have blinked and shone In thieves in Troy and Babylon, and I shall know in angry words, in jibes and mock and many a tear, a carrion flock of homing birds, the jides and scorns I uttered here, the brave words that I fail to speak will brand me dastard on the cheek, and as I wander on the road I shall be helped and healed and blessed. Dear words shall cheer me as goads To urge the heights before unguessed My road shall be the road I made All that I gave shall be repaid So shall I fight, so shall I tread In this long war beneath the stars So shall glory wreathe my head So shall I faint and show the scars Until this case, this clogging mould Be smithied all to kingly gold. So that's our target. That's where we're heading, hopefully, and where we eventually, with something like that shining be- before us, that there is a goal and there is a target, um, it gives us hope. Um, hope brings eternal, doesn't it? Fortunately. I often think of that hymn. When I wake up in the morning, it's almost as if I'm singing it, New every morning is for love. You go to bed absolutely shattered and you think, you know, I can't go on. And then you wake up in the morning, your etheric and your astral body and your spiritual, though your etheric has been attached to your physical, have left during the night and become resuscitated (laughs) and revitalized. So that by the morning again, you suddenly feel, ah, the sun rises. You can cope with another day. And so from the expression of love, we are on our way. We've begun pedaling on our bike, as it were, on your bike. That's a lovely phrase. It stops us being static and stagnant. Edgar Casey's early readings I'll go into because you've actually got to have incarnation before you have reincarnation. So I'll just briefly go back to the beginnings And the prophet writes about it too Gaia Gibram's the prophet Mm -hmm. Forget not that I shall come back to you A little while And my longing shall gather dust and foam For another body A little while A moment of rest Upon the wind And another woman Shall bear me And in the garden of the prophet He also says at the end O mist my sister My sister mist I am one with you now No longer am I a self. The walls have fallen and the chains have broken. I rise to you a mist and together we shall float upon the sea until life's second day when dawn shall lay you dewdrops in a garden and me a babe upon the breast of a woman. And he uses the word mist for the all enveloping creative, vaporized spiritual essence from which we've come and in one of the early Edgar Cayce readings he says water is symbolic of the source of life in the earth and is the first materialization of spirit King James' version of the Bible reads there went up a great mist from the earth and the first creation came from that mist so it was interesting that Gail Gibram also uses mist then we get the creation of souls right in the beginning and one of these readings for um, a person who was alive in the 30s in the beginning when all forces were given in the spiritual force and the morning stars sang together in the glory of the coming of the Lord and the God to make the giving of man's influence and the developing in the world's forces this entity was there I mean that's amazing that he is actually giving a reading in the 30s to somebody who was at the beginning of the Earth's evolution and creation because we are talking about our planet of now and another one when the Earth's forces were called into existence and the sons of God came together and the sounding of the coming of man was given this entity was there another one this entity in the beginning when the first of the elements were given and the forces set in motion that brought about this sphere called the earth plane and when the morning stars sang together and the whispering winds brought the news of the coming of man's indwelling of the spirit of the creator he man became the living soul entity came into being with this multitude so the shorthand version we've got in the bible our our book of clues talks about Adam as one, it's shorthand it's condensed, it's a clue but it's actually a multitude that came in together like the alum with all the seeds on it and it's sort of interesting to know that Casey says at that time, the multitude came together and gradually we lost our way. We could go into the physical earth plane, enjoy it, come out and go back to the origins of spirit. But we started having too good a time. And as the time went on, we actually couldn't get back out again. It's almost like a bit of flotsam or jetsam that the tide is brought up onto the beach. The wave withdraws and it's left stranded. And we have forgotten how to get back to our spiritual origins. So I'll go back through um, the Jesus incarnations of the soul that was Jesus. Because he volunteered, first of all, as Amelius, to come in. To help those who were stranded and who couldn't actually find their way back. To find their way back. But they wouldn't listen. They were having too good a time at the party. And the last bus had gone. So he returns to the Spirit and says, Look, I'm sorry, I failed, but they won't listen. So the Adamic body was specially created for man's return. And so the Jesus soul was, had volunteered to come back as Adam. First of all, he was one, like an amoeba. The male and female were together. They weren't split. And the second chapter of Genesis... They get split because man, as one whole, is alone. I mean, even sort of gay or lesbian people who say they have no expression are almost a male and female body in one. You're almost getting sort of back to that. It's very interesting. But they don't like living alone because alone or one and alone are sort of spelt the same. And we are created by God for companionship he created us for a relationship and companionship and everybody needs companionship and everybody needs some sort of relationship so he split the male and female and ever since he took out of Adam's rib what have the two sexes been doing getting back together again so if you split something that's meant to be actually whole they spent the whole time trying to get back together and in this Adamic world, also, the fallen angel Lucifer, Revelation says that 12 says there was war in heaven, and Michael cast out the dragon. So we got him on the earth. And Lucifer gave us our free will. He was given permission to give us free will, to test our free will, and see what we do with it, like we do with our children. We bring up our children, we aren't in control, they have free will, and look what happened. <laughs> So, we were allowed to... Lucifer was allowed to tempt to them and to exercise their free will, which they did, as we all know about the apple. After we exercised our free will, free will by eating of the very tree that we were told not to, that was the fall. The fall from the truly spiritual, which the original Adamic body was. We fell into matter in a big way. So, when people talk about the fall, it's a transition from spirit into matter we became densely physical and the only way we could return was the death of the physical so like a bicycle tire that goes flat after a journey we could return and get pumped up again for our next life and we needed that that sort of state of death to get us going reincarnation made of the dust of the earth and dense, with a puncture in our tire that's how we were, we had to go back so death is vital to the human condition before we can actually get going so the next incarnation of Adam was Enoch who was a teacher and a scribe of Hermes and Thoth he's given different names in the Roman and the Greek but he was not fully human because he didn't experience death he was still sufficiently spiritual that he thought he could do a rescue Then came Melchizedek was the next one, but again he had no Melchizedek had no death, so he was still not like us earth souls. And he Melchizedek, Casey says, wrote the book of Job, and in Job you get the tussle between the devil and God for somebody's soul, and Satan says, I bet you he only stays with you because you're nice to him. So poor old Job goes through all those trials to see if he still believes in God. And of course at the end he does, but he does have a very hard time. Well, apparently now Chiswick, the, the original Jesus soul, wrote the book for us. So then he came in truly human as Joseph. He was born of woman, he married, had children, and he died. So that was the first really human sort of rescue package we had. From Joseph, then Joshua, land chosen for the sort of body to come through that would be a true saviour of the world. But as Joshua, he of course you know he had many many battles and he slew many many people, and actually the Jesus soul started to incur a bit of karma from that lifetime. Okay. Oh, yeah. oh right. Right then he came in as Asaph the musician to David artist and prophet who wrote a lot of the psalms mm-hmm. Jeshua the next one who helped rebuild the temple was Zechariah and then the ninth one well we don't he had several others but these were the important ones that really affected the life he had as the Christ then was the father of Zoaster, who wrote the Zend of Vesta so he's also as a scribe as Enoch left a lot of writings and and there's Melchizedek writing the book of Job and here we have him again setting up the Zoroastrian holy book at this point Jesus' soul no longer had to return to earth but volunteered to carry on to anchor the really saving Christhood into the earth which means that it was a voluntary thing. He became a volunteer, and that Jesus' soul no longer actually needed. And we do that too, apparently. 18 lives that Casey gave no longer needed reincarnation, but they have volunteered some of them to come back again. So, yeah, so that wonderful book, "Reincarnation Unnecessary." That's, that's right. That, those 18 people. I yes. Think. Yeah. And so we had Jesus, the last one that you know, is uh, important. We don't know about the second coming. You could almost call the second coming yet another one to come. But he was known either as Joshua or Joshua, or the Greek name for the soul was Jesus. So it's easier again, as our Bible tells us, it's Jesus. He says before Abraham was, I am. So that gives you another clue right in the end that reincarnation is just something that everybody accepted in New Testament and Old Testament times and a body had to be prepared for this terrific Christ energy to come in because when you think of a spiritual sun and the energy even in the physical sun it is is tremendous it had to be a pure body that hadn't experienced the fall from spirit into matter to become material So it had to be strong and pure enough to hold the Christ energy from the spiritual sun, to deliver to mankind an anchor in the earth with a shedding of blood upon the earth. The Christ energy for the planet and for the whole of mankind was anchored at the crucifixion when the blood went into the earth. Rather like a salt solution, you put a bit of salt into a glass and it actually affects the whole water. The spilling of Christ's blood on the earth actually had exactly the same spiritual effect. It was anchored in the earth for everyone. Race, creed, didn't matter. It was part of the earth, Mother Earth's evolution. It is still here. I and mean, we have to just follow Jesus' example and access the energy that he left all around us. And it's one of those things that, even though it's there, because we can't see it, We have to go through some sort of journey to realize that it is all around us. He didn't actually ask, you see, to be worshipped. He asked to be followed. His was an example. His life was an example, as well as this terrific, um, mission he had of bringing the Christ energy onto the earth. And at the cross, he said, It is finished. He had done what he had come to do and so he said it is finished it was finished for him but it's not finished for us because it wasn't done vicariously for us it was done to show us and give us an example so we've got an awful lot of work to do and um i'll find out where casey says um When Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, he meant that his earthly mission of showing the way to overcome sin had been achieved. It had been done by meeting and overcoming his prior errors. This concept is borne out in one possible interpretation of his words, it is finished, the debt is paid. And so for him, his compulsory things were finished. But each life of Christ, you see, gave him and taught him an awful lot. Each life of the Master has made a living example for us to follow. Emilius, the Spirit. Adam, the Created. Enoch, or Hermes, the Great Initiate and Sage. Melchizedek, the Mystical Priest. Joseph, because he gave the first bread and wine to Abraham. And okay. brought, yes, brought us into the communion, the Eucharist that the Church today knows. Joseph was the head of state and a forgiver that was interesting that they, Jesus' soul's lessons on forgiveness came in the Joseph's life as well Joshua the faithful warrior leader Asaph the artisan Jeshua the priest and scribe Zend the spiritual leader and Jesus who loved and suffered his weight of Christhood the pattern of each of these lives of the Master is charged and enlivened however by the power of his ultimate Christ energy that came into him in the last three years of his life and that is what our journey is all about to follow his example when we worship I never really like that word but it's actually a reverence that comes with awe And it comes with recognition, when you yourself recognise something higher and better than yourself. And with gratitude, you find that gratitude, when you're grateful for something, it's a great mover, it moves you on quite a bit. A church or a society is just a meeting place where people pool their energy to create a greater one and to share experiences. So when I go to church today, it, I know I'm just pooling my energies and prayers. You build a force that is larger than you alone, or the sum of just the parts, as we're told. But unfortunately, the Romans formalized and united everything, and so much misinterpretation came about. And Constantine and I suppose Justinian were the main responsible, who threw out reincarnation from Christ's teachings and created a summary we call the Bible because Constantine started gathering together the books to put in the Bible and we only have a very brief shorthand version a very brief summary from which we have to look for these vital clues that are hidden but it is all there these clues have not been totally written out of our treasure hunt we have the choice and the responsibility our life is in our own hands and we are our own archaeological dig but to remember it all would be too much we have vague memories through all sorts of things of perhaps past lives but to take on the responsibility and the anguish of previous lives you can't cope with it all at once Plato in his Republic was interesting because he also um, in the Republic gives you the choosing of your next incarnation of souls and how they chose and were free almost to choose to make them more just to make them more balanced so even if you came in with a lot of riches you still had to learn to be balanced if you came poverty stricken you still had to learn to be balanced and to be just and he advises in the republic to take the middle course and avoid as far as we can this life of extremes but And having owed his goodness to habit, Plato says that if you owe your goodness to habit rather than philosophy and thinking, you've actually not got many brownie points. And the way they go to the various people to get their life and to have it spun, um, and the guardian spirit first led the next soul to Clotho, thus ratifying beneath her hand and whirling her spindle the lot the person had chosen. And after saluting her, he led it to next one where Atropis spins so making the threads of its destiny irreversible so you come into destiny there where a destiny is irreversible we know that we can alter our destiny if we, tend, if we come to using our spirit and our will that's how we get round it Wordsworth too is interesting because in his... O torn immortality he says how we can't take on too much and our birth is but a sleep and a forgetting the soul that rises with us our life star had elsewhere had its setting and cometh from afar not entire forgetfulness and not in utter nakedness so we have got some memories taking with us but trailing clouds of glory do we come from God who is our home Heaven lies about us in our infancy. So we take on what we can, but it's just not possible for us to take on. We sometimes mumble about it, but I don't actually think we really want to know everything. You can through regression, get in touch with something, but how, you've got to work out how reliable it is. Talents like Mozart have been brought across to another life. When they appear so early in life, you know that it's come with them in spirit. People on their dress, often give clues as to what sort of lives they have. I've got a great friend who does regressions and she says when the people work through the door it's the way they're dressed that often gives her her first clues of what they're going to say. Your likes and dislikes and things and the periods of history you're drawn to are also great clues to past lives. Um... Yes, that anchoring of the Christ energy is for everybody and that we choose the lifetimes in different nationalities and different creeds in different lands should actually make us much more forgiving and much more tolerant because the law of cause and effect actually is we forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So you only get forgiven as much as you are forgiving. Again, you've got the law of karma, but you've got a terrific sort of balance and justice there. Divinity often speaks through our conscience. That is often the clue to a past life. If you suddenly get a conscience about something, uh-uh, been there, well, you know, got the t-shirt. Don't go there again. That is a very worthwhile thing. Listening to your conscience because something in you has told you that you've already learnt that lesson because you know so listen to our consciences when we're incarnating Casey says that one of the greatest effects is the astrological planets that we visit because they all have such ex- such strong influence and if you have a stay in the planet you get a strength that you bring in with you like if you go to Jupiter you learn to deal with large groups you have a great ability Casey's sister w- was in Jupiter before she came down. She was head of the Red Cross in her part of America. She enjoyed large groups. And those abilities, Casey said, came from Jupiter. Saturn gives you ability to withstand great tests, as if you've been burnt in a furnace. Mars gives you learning and strength. But if the influence of the planets has to come through your aura, and if your aura is a bit mucky, Mars's strength will come in actually as strength without any moral code but if more like in other words going to war Mars the god of war but if the strength you've got from Mars comes through a, the aura that is much sort of purer the influence will be to strengthen you so we have an influence on how the planet influence us but Casey said that that actually was a third great influence on your life Your first is your free will and nobody unless you give it away can take it away the second is your karma that is definitely built up there on the other planes for you to pick up your karmic and coat and come back in again but the astrological is your third great influence and if you live through it you can actually pass through it and you may get to a point when your astrological star sign doesn't really have an effect on you anymore you have used your spirit between destiny and between providence destiny is written by your last life your last life wrote your destiny for this one and if you can use your free will which is your spirit to push yourself out of your destiny into providence you actually can alter or push on your, your life so that you really achieve quite a lot in a life on earth so you know, Ivanov said of spirit and destiny too to escape destiny you must overcome weakness and stop submitting passively to a life filled with things over which you have no control only breathing, eating, procreating and sleeping that kind of life is far from the divine life it is divine in that it comes from God, but it is not divine in the spiritual sense. The divine life begins when a man realizes he is not made of he is made of more than flesh and bone and muscle that he is not all stomach and sex but also spirit and that he is meant to act and create in the spiritual realm and devote his life to something more, something sublime, luminous and divine then yes he escapes his destiny, but not completely. The destiny of falling ill and being left in a cemetery to rot, that destiny is fixed, because I am speaking of the physical plane, and there is nothing one can do. But the spiritual life gives us an opportunity to add something more to the instinctive life and to reach a higher plane beyond destiny. In order to do that, the spirit must be allowed to manifest itself and leave its imprint on your life to intervene in everything you do in that way you avoid your destiny and enter another realm where providence begins the destiny of the body is to return to dust and ashes but not the spirit spirit has no destiny it comes under the heading of providence and providence if you look it up in the dictionary means the guardianship of a deity so you have triggered the law of grace where when you have moved one step God and his angels come in to meet you and so we probably see the big issues that are our destiny before we come in we may see that we're going to be in a wheelchair but maybe the choices of how we get there are ours (laughs) you may see big events in your life that you've promised to do but how you get there and who you share it with often a part of your free will and choices we choose our sex, our parents, our country or if we work in a state of harmony with the cosmos we will always be able to see beauty and light however murky everything gets above the clouds the sun is always shining and the I am with you always that was a, proven, a promise from the covenant of the rainbow as well and the I am you see because I am is our, our individuality and the Jesus soul had an I am everybody has an I am you and I have an I am and that's one thing that will never leave us we also have to raise the evolution of mankind so we actually are transforming evil at each stage we go through and if we play our cards right we'll get a better deck next time but sometimes you can't alter the deck you've got this time to start on the next round of the spiral phew, it's actually exhausting to think about it (laughs) Um, that's one of the reasons why the church gave us only one lifetime because if you try spreading it and thinking of all those lifetimes it actually gives you a bit too big a horizon and you won't address the now and in the now we make our future so the now is actually very important so in the sort of shepherding aspect of the early church by sort of not mentioning it too much they sort of made us concentrate on the now and it can't always have been a bad thing but it does help one understand things now if one looks at gems of the past and actually believes in reincarnation. that helps a lot from material destiny to spiritual providence one day at a time sweet Jesus the times I've gone into a marketplace or a shop and I've listened to that one day at a time sweet Jesus and that stops you in your tracks and makes you address your now our work on the etheric with prayers and thoughts and feelings gathers forth and manifests itself back to us as a sort of um, reward a a immediate sort of karma if you like Um, mind is the builder the case you always used to say and we build so much with our mind and we get back from the law of grace what it thinks we deserve we don't always know the results of the things we do we just have to give it up to our guardian angels etc and the rest fortunately happens without our having to interfere all the time let go and let God that saying if the, if the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak well if it's actually true spirit the spirit is blooming strong and it's a misquotation that one um Plato very much said that if you get somebody else moves you and you move, that's okay. And if you move somebody else without moving yourself, that's okay. But if you move yourself from your own motivation, that is really moving. So again, that's how much control we ought to be having of our own lives. In Child of Eternity, a book about an autistic child, I don't know whether anybody else has read it. You have... Well, she as a fetus did not want to incarnate and she shut down her endocrine system. She dug her heels in and so when she was born she was autistic. But in her 12th year she, using a computer and a facilitator allowed her to tell us all this that she went through her previous lives as well. But this coming into our incarnation because we've sort of volunteered to Steiner and Casey say you get a yearning to come back now you know I find that quite hard to believe but never mind we get a yearning to leave and we also get this yearning to come back which actually keeps this wheel continually spinning we were in, a, in Ireland and a very rural area a lovely Irish farmer was looking at the Celtic cross and explaining to us that the Celtic cross has the sun drawn around it in a circle because they, we used to worship the spiritual sun and I thought here am I in the middle of Ireland and he's talking as if he's sort of Read all these spiritual books that are going around now about the spiritual sun rather than the physical sun. And when you see a sunburst, you think, we think, yes, they just worship the physical sun. But no, they didn't. They knew what the spiritual sun was, too. Um, and in Wales, you've got a heel, at Stonehenge, you've got the heel stone, H E O L. Now, in Wales, heel is a way so the sun is our way it shines on our way but it also shows us the way and gives us that Christ energy that came down with Jesus that Jesus took on and held for three years so there's a wonderful sort of a follow-up of the sun and in pa- on page 91 of the awakening letters which again, has anybody read the awakening letters the first volume this is, but there's a spot on Iona where the druids are trying to teach people how not to come back and she's writing on, um, on a little part of Iona where the druids were who were Columba's first friends they are singing the old chants on the etheric which give power and health and enlightenment to the island they are a wonderful group one cannot easily tell a druid from a Christian by the aura, except that the druids have a deeper knowledge of the ancient wisdom, while the Christians have the Christ ray. This was very infectious. The druids were very high order of mystics, and through them, they were trying to tell us the secrets uh, that aren't long ago were teaching people actually how not to come back. Yes, <laughs> but again that's knowledge that we've all lost isn't it? <coughs> ancient wisdom yeah, oh yes, how to get off <laughs> the Tibetans have actually come out of Tibet to sort of bring Buddhism very much into our sort of our knowledge again one of these so-called secrets lies in a method of development taught by them which helps the soul on leaving the body to pass outside the earth aura and continue without reincarnation. so you know that I thought was, was, was lovely I have been to Iona several times and having read that I sort of thought well I wonder where all this sort of mystery and where these messages may be left in the etheric for, for us to pick up talking about Stonehenge again um, the English colony is a, a chapter in the Old Testament Edgar Cayce's interpretation of the Old Testament and there's a whole lot of people who come back into England around Hezekiah and Zedekiah's time and they come to Stonehenge and to Salisbury and to Glastonbury and they bring with them the Old Testament knowledge and all the building of the great stone altars which Hezekiah actually had to smash up because people had begun worshipping the stones and not seeing the truth behind the stones. It's like worshipping an idol. People actually... Tend to think it's in the material, physical. Mm. And when you watch somebody in front of even a Buddha, you 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 can't help wondering: Are they actually worshipping that great gold figure, or actually are they worshipping everything? I hope they're worshipping everything behind it. Mm. We all have. We art creates them. Sculptors create them. We like Mm. creation as long as we don't stop. Stop, Stop there. there. wouldn't allow the Jews to make any image. That's right, and the Muslims still won't. Nope. there's That's no graven right. image in the Muslims <laughs> either. We're going to talk about the English colony that came over through the Old Testament, and came to Salisbury because we're talking about reincarnation, mm. and it's lovely to know that the reincarnation of people like Zedekiah's grandchildren came and brought those wonderful secrets, and we have them anchored at Stonehenge he gives a reading and the entity was in the Holy Land when there were those breaking ups in the periods when the land was being sacked those groups who escaped in the ships that settled in portions of the English land near what is now Salisbury so we're all talking about Stonehenge here he was a record keeper another one entered for the preservation of and brought with him those manners of worship those manners of preserving lives in other words doctoring medicine skills of economic laws that had been part of the experience of those people who were the fathers of the entity then in the name of Zedekiah in the experience the entity gained but in the latter portion lost. Casey always tells us where they made their brownie points and where they lost out because you know just because you started on one way the right way I'm afraid temptation and everything is all around you Mm. for the signs, the symbols, can be rather for the purposes and this person took on the symbols and actually didn't get lost the purpose behind the symbols at the end of his life apparently the migration stretched over a long period of time then from the Old Testament times like an underground railway, Casey says and that, you know, I thought was interesting because he always brings things, matter of fact, down to earth so that you can pick them up. We as human beings, as ordinary people, can pick them up. Another person created places of refuge for groups because of the terrific hardship of all these people escaping from the land of Hezekiah and Palestine. And the, another one, the entity was with those people who sought refuge is now at the English land in Somerset. The entity was with the groups who had come from even the Temple Watch in Jerusalem. And so they brought with them sort of, uh, their ideas of worship. Another entity called Judas came in to get rid and discard blood sacrifice. So that the what was put on the altar wasn't ever actually, I don't think, human sacrifice with the British Druids, I think the French and the Gaulish Druids, there might have been. But it was to bring the gifts. Like the Hindus bring gifts. She was here to take away the blood sacrifices and get people to take on the the real meanings of sacrifice. Another one was a prophetess, given in the understanding of interest into the seasons and the zodiacal and the star knowledge she brought with her and that again to Stonehenge hence the entity gained yet it's as it were set as a temptation the symbols in other words people still got stuck on symbols the better mental and spiritual interpretations of those things that have been handed down to peoples as customs so again, somebody's bringing the interpretations to keep the true meaning of them. Another person, the weakness of forcing the purposes. He forced his ideas upon people, so he lost in that life. Mm. But because what he was saying was true, he almost got a sort of a forgiveness. It was the paradox of karma. And here he goes and says for this entity here, the altars upon which there was the cleansing of the bodies of individuals cleansing of their bodies to get rid of hate, malice, selfishness, self-indulgence. These people were laid on the altars and cleansed in the body through ceremony, through the rise of initiates from the sources of light that came from the stones that came from the stones I found that interesting because stones are records they hold all sorts of things Mm. so these higher entities came from the stones upon which the angels of light during the periods gave their expression to the people I mean it's old fashioned language it is hard to understand but it, it is fascinating that we've got the reincarnation of lives in England in Stonehenge and Glastonbury Avebury, you'll find that too. But somehow the people who went for readings to Edgar Casey, they hadn't been at Avebury. Don't think there are any that he recorded coming from Avebury. So, I mean, it obviously happened all over the place. Yeah. And we had just such an interesting history. In Reincarnation Unnecessary, that was a very fascinating life. Yeah. In these 18 lives of people who Reincarnation was unnecessary for, practically everyone i think there's only one that doesn't go to egypt but egypt seems to be a very strong influence because the egyptians were dealing very much with going out of the body their life back to the trying to get back to the spiritual so they were trying to cut control of their astral body obviously trying to get back because the way has been lost to get back so they seem to have concentrated on this trying to get back to the spiritual origins But this life is fascinating because it's been in Peru, Greece, Egypt and England. I'm getting back to England because, you know, (laughs) this is where we live. But in Peru, when the land was submerging, from that life of this person came his interest in understanding the wishes and needs of groups of people and his ability to plead their causes. He then has a life in Egypt, especially as a historian. And then he has a life in Greece. He, he, warring led to his present awareness of reaping whatever one sows. But again, he was trying to help people, great bodies of people with their individuality. And then he comes to the life in England. From a general in Greece, the counsellor, he's always counselling and helping people. The counsellor later becomes Oliver Cromwell. And I thought, well, it's lovely to have a well-known name. The later comes Oliver Cromwell, fighting for the principle of personal freedom. The previous life showed a pattern of dealing with people in large groups. In England, he learned to see them as individuals. That incarnation, he developed his interest in individuals' rights and responsibilities. He also carried over his predilection for giving his best. And we know that Cromwell had a terrible time with his conscience whether he would lead against Charles the first or whether he wouldn't he was a very devout man and so it's lovely every now and again when you're reading through the lives to come across one you know because one another life that was unnecessary for reincarnation again unless she volunteered was that of Martha Lazarus's sister and that, that, I thought, was good because you can follow through. But in England, again, you see, I have to go back to England. In England, she came in the time of Charles First. The reading said that she gained because she was able to aid the suffering members of the household. Here is the practical Martha again, doing what she sees to do wherever she is, relieving fear, teaching, offering spiritual guidance. She also helped in material ways, when necessary, acting also as a spy. The life in England enabled her to broaden her insight and heighten her master characteristic of not wasting time talking when things needed to be done. I thought that was... That was quite and so it is a time when we are thinking about it very much because the orthodox teachings of the church that are taught in churches is not enough for us, so we now go outside into the holy books of every creed and every race to find the universal truth because the Christ energy, as I said, was left for everybody. Because you and I carry the Christ energy, we all know that it is here and we can sort of carry on. I also think we bank. Every time we, are, we have a lifetime, we bank the best of us and our higher self is on the other side. And when we die, we meet our higher self and we don't always recognize it for quite a while but there's some lovely stories of people who've been in contact with their higher selves and just can't believe that they managed to bank because you don't do it consciously all your good points. You don't realize how much of a, not a personality, it's your individuality you're building up on the other side so that when you finish with your personality It's all banked, and it just reminded me of a lovely story we used to sing in a pub when somebody had a false eye and a false leg and everything on them, the the wig, etc. And the song goes that when they got into bed at night, side by side, she took off her leg and she took Mm -hmm. off her eye and she took off her hair, and in the end the song says, I slept on the chair. There was more of her there, <laughs> yeah, yeah. side yeah. by side. And so we too have banked so much of us up into our selves over many lives that it is actually very encouraging. So we probably see the big issues that are our destiny. And it's, it's great that it's like one of those ostriches with weights and a drink of water they start bending they have weights in them and yeah. suddenly when they go over a point they go down and it's like that if you've made so much of yourself given into the higher world you probably find that reincarnation is unnecessary and that's at a point you choose whether you come back or not interesting other lives Elijah and John the Baptist and when you read Casey's life readings on them the way that Elijah that's in the Bible too he picked up his skirts and he ran from Jezebel he was frightened of Jezebel because he'd slain all her prophets now Elijah comes back as John the Baptist Jesus tells us of that at the Transfiguration Jesus did not rescue John the Baptist when he was thrown into prison Jezebel came back as Herod's wife so she got Elijah then but he was then John the Baptist Jesus didn't rescue John from the prison because Jesus knew what Elijah, John the Baptist's karma was. Even he didn't escape karma. Karma is a good, you get good karma and bad karma. But you always have to address it. It's a third great influence. And then when Jesus asked, whom do they say that I am? Now how many people do you know that ask other people who they are? So you see, reincarnation was understood in the New Testament times. The man born blind, he couldn't have sinned in the womb. And so Jesus says, the disciples presume that, you know, he did something wrong in his karmic, in his previous life. But Jesus says, no. He came so that the works of God might be made manifest. So we can't always think that anybody with a handicap has done something bad. There's always other reasons. We just don't know in The Awakening Letters Joe who's Sir Albury Gascoigne was a monk with Columba and he tells us about an on Iona and he tells us about those but the one one of the fascinating ones is um, Anne Boleyn first of all this lady comes to Casey in the 30s and she's given a life first of all as Hannah mother of Samuel and that she eventually has a son and then he tells her that she comes in as Anna the prophetess who had no children waiting in the temple but recognized the Christ then she comes in as Anne Boleyn who desperately wanted a son like Hannah had desperately wanted Samuel and each time this lady gives birth to wonderful lives people who have great lives like Samuel and Anne Boleyn gave birth to Elizabeth I that did so much for the Reformation in bringing the Bible and the words to us as people instead of a Roman Catholic church dictating what was said in the Bible because it was all in Latin and nobody understood it So the Reformation was another wonderful evolutionary loop for mankind. And Anne Boleyn was very, very active. She backed William Tyndale. She got the importation of the work he was doing in Holland, bought it in secretly. She risked so much. But she also was a very active lady. And as you know, she loved riches. She wanted to be queen. To be a mistress of Henry VIII was not enough and the reading of this child that was brought to Edgar Casey says that she always wanted her own way Hannah was determined as Samuel's mother she offered that if she conceived the child would go to God But she was a very strong lady he says and one that would be inclined to judge and measure activities hence the spiritual lessons of this lifetime for her must be developed through the activities of the entity in the material plane on how, why, and why the entity could ever be materially minded. Casey doesn't understand at all because her previous lives were so spiritual. But new and subtle dimensions of interest accrue when life readings contain incarnations of persons who are familiar to us and we start understanding them. Anna the prophetess she suffered in mind and body for the spiritual ideal but this lady who's, who was Anne Boleyn is giving birth he says to her you'll give birth to a very important child and later on when she marries and has children she has very precocious children who, who are obviously going to be an exception again now unfortunately we have no more records after 1945 because that's when Edgar Casey died now if in the ARE she goes back it would be interesting much later to find out what happened to the children that this lady of today has given birth to because as Hannah she gave birth to Samuel as Anna she recognised the Christ and as Anne Boleyn she gave birth to Elizabeth I but it may come out or it may not that's just a picture of Anne Boleyn a lot of people thought that the Jews who came back In the Holocaust were, I'm afraid, the inquisitors of the Roman Catholic Inquisition. Another interesting getting together of great souls is Franco during the Spanish Civil War. They came from all corners of the earth. And people say that they were probably the conquistadors who went into South America and played such havoc. Their karma was balanced when they came back and all got together again because apparently we reincarnate with often the same souls. And um, you look up your family tree and you think, gosh, you know, I wonder which one was me before. You as you will choose to probably reincarnate with people like Nigel again next time, people who've meant something to you and whose business you actually haven't finished. So you carry on with that person almost where you left off without an awful lot of memory of it. Understanding is the wellspring of life and the more we can understand through reincarnation, the greater our understanding increases. Life doesn't make sense without it, nor does it make sense of divine justice. Our future is built on our past, our present, and we certainly can't accomplish this huge task of man's evolution in one lifetime Man, know thyself, and you will know God and the universe, we're told. And Anne, when I had a reading, and Anne Paria gave me one or two of my past lives, she says, you know all about reincarnation, but she says, do you live as if you believe it? And I thought, wow, that's putting something right at my doorstep. So I have thought of that, and often I don't live as if I believe it. And if I can get myself into the mindset of believing it, I actually sort of make different choices because when I, when I come back I want it to be a better world so I know I've got to be effective it's like a tablecloth you know if you raise the middle of a tablecloth you raise everybody around you so if you can raise yourself in your life and help mankind you actually raise their vibration as well and in the incarnating lessons, where Patricia tells us laughter sets up a series of bubbles in the ether which reflect light and colour like a waterfall to drop in tinkling cascades of thought into the ether which is gathered and sent back to the physical so our laughter is sent back gathered together in the etheric and sent back to us as a good lifting thing ella wheeler wilcox the poet said people are either lifters or leaners Mm -hmm. and she didn't actually make any other definition she says you're either a lifter or a leaner. we all take turns at being both i think but at one period at one aspect of your life you can see periods when you've leaned heavily and other times when you've lifted the people who are brave enough to speak out like gen huddle and david ike and shirley McLean, from famous positions do help a lot of other people because the publicity they generate actually gets through to so many people and even if like a lot of people say the Shirley MacLaine books used to drop out of the shelves for them Mm -hmm. and they'd pick them up we have to be brave enough to ask the difficulties to overcome because reincarnation actually teaches us and difficulties teach us we have been all sexes all creeds all colours so that actually should make us tolerant so if we become patient and tolerant then that helps us an awful lot in understanding as well as each other And so if we deny very strongly as life progression, that there's life on the other side and that more to life, if we deny it in this life very strongly, we will not be able to live this life fully. We will remain imprisoned longer in the very aspect of ourselves that has to die, our personality. Because by being too strong in denial, you actually encase yourself like in a little box. And there are many souls who die that find themselves in a case. Love, relationships and learning is what we're all about. And it's so important. We will be asked not, what did you do in the war, daddy? We will be asked, what did you do with your life when you get onto the other side? To further the evolution of your, your friends as well, because we will reap the results when we return, definitely of what we sow no work or development is ever wasted as I said it is stored in your higher self so that it is there for you the Akashic records some people can read but I'm afraid I can't Betty Edie was not allowed to remember her life purpose when she had a near death experience because it would have made her impatient she would have wanted to carry on and do things too quickly so this the impatience is something that we need to get rid of like we need to get rid of expectations we need to get rid of the word should we should have done this we should or somebody else should have done if God controlled the world it would be perfect but unfortunately it's a 50-50 our life is in our hands like our children we can't control them utterly they have free will and so the great spirits reincarnate, Ivanov says, in the lands where they are needed. They are needed like, like we give aid to undeveloped countries. The higher spirits come back to countries that need them to help those countries move on. People like Abraham Lincoln, who came back to unite the North and the South and to get rid of slavery. Yeah. And that was he was murdered by the jesuits unfortunately but each he knew he was being murdered so you know he knew he had a task to do that he would probably do it and then go Mm -hmm. and when i was told red ruth montgomery said that abe lincoln was that walk-in i'd never heard of a walk-in and it's when a higher soul comes in to help a body who has a very difficult task and i thought well i don't know about that you know so i went to um Alastair Cook's book on America. And I opened it. know I opened it, and there was Abraham Lincoln looking at a big photograph out at me. So I read what it said, the text next to it. And it said, From this moment onward, Abraham Lincoln's speech is changed. And I thought, Oh, yes. I came to this book with a specific question. And I got an answer. And I am awake enough. Not to say rubbish when I get given something like that because often I have gone out with a question and I want it to be answered. Well basically boring stuff like when I lost my purse for three days I hadn't actually dared tell my husband. (laughs) And I got back into Sherburn having all this loose change in my handbag which I hated. And I sat down in the car and I said please guardian angel just you know give me a clue where my purse might be and I just looked down at my hands and my left hand was on the rug on the seat on the car and I could feel my purse under that rug and oh, well I just burst out laughing life is fun when you actually become awake and get on your bike with pumped up tires and get things rolling and it's, that's what, what makes the joy of life actually lots of people have done work on reincarnation people like Dr. Evans. Ian Stevenson who actually is an old man now and he said even after all this he cannot quite believe it and if any of you have read his book there's, there's volumes on the incarnation proof especially in India where it's easy to find because it's part of their culture Raymond Moody also has done a lot of work on it and in the boy who saw true it was quite interesting because he has this spiritual vision and his grandpa who's dead comes back to him and so they say "Oh, let's ask grandpa about reincarnation and grandpa says oh I don't know anything about that mm-hmm. and so boy says well how come he's on the other side and he doesn't know about it and so there's obviously different levels of understanding mm-hmm. and grandpa has only just died and gone over to the first two or three astral levels probably and he hasn't gone higher to learn he hasn't yet gone to the halls of learning that you'll read about later on but that was very interesting that Grandpa didn't know about reincarnation <laughs> Joe Fisher and Dr. Witten did an awful lot on reincarnation and you've got the soul that wait- has chosen and is waiting for its mother and it's looking down on a very pregnant lady who's gathering water and having, carrying a pail that is too heavy for her. And the soul is so worried that the body that it has chosen to go into, the baby, will miscarry because she's carrying too heavy a bucket of water. So the spirit goes in and out during pregnancy. It's not always in there. And I don't think it's really in there, finally, in every case, till the moment of the first breath. And by then, but even in a baby, it goes in and out of the body. Children, and accidental death, especially in India, tend to come back quickly. And there's many stories of children who come back, or a mother who lost a child has a baby, but she can't bring herself to throw away the toys. And okay. when they come back, they call a dolly. The child is given a dolly and calls it the same name as the child that died did. And there's just numerous case histories like that which are great fun to read if you're in that sort of mood. There was a documentary not long ago and one of the little boys um, was called Tutu. He bore the scars of his death, the shooting on his temple. He was a little boy in India and he kept on about this life he'd had in a shop, a radio shop. He knew the address, he knew the town. His wife was still alive. This was a boy of about six. So in the end, the present parents took him back. They went to this radio shop at this address. There was his wife that he recognized, a full grown woman. And they made a bit bit of fun of him. You know, they took it lightly, but he, and he was very, very shy, but he gradually, Mm came out with presents he had given her as a husband and he went through his death that he'd been shot by a jealous rival about business and the shot wound he had was in his head Um, and they shaved his head and there exactly as the medical documents had said was this this scar so that was work of Dr Ian, Ian, Ian Stevenson as well and then you get people coming in in early incarnations of first timers and one of the books I was reading said that they often come in as observers either with cerebral palsy where they're looked after and they just watch or with Down syndrome where they don't take such an active part but they are looked after and I had never thought of Down's children and and handicaps as being young souls who were coming in as observers because they often you often volunteer to come in as handicapped to teach those around you how to behave teach those around you patience and all the things that they need to learn and you get the indigo children today who are coming in with different eyes different understanding who seem to be way ahead of the average person like us who've got a very deep understanding and so when poor old Glenn Hoddle got into all that trouble when he was brave enough to speak his truth um, he forgot to say that they didn't give him a chance probably that sometimes a handicapped person is a great soul who comes back in and I think they obviously wanted to get rid of him for out of his football activities and by putting him up for being pillared they sort of got rid of him that way. So upon death, we get a life review. That's the first thing. They called it, well, they call it descended to hell or whatever. Um, And it's our own judgment. We are our judge and our own jury. We get help, but nobody judges us but ourselves and our own moral code. And when um, you go to the spiritualist church and you get people being helped with grief, etc., Um, That is a great stopgap. It's not where you stay, but it's a time when you look on to just that little aspect of life and get the help from the other side you need. Each time I've gone to a spiritualist church with a question, I've got it. I've got the answer. I hadn't believed it at the time, but it just happens every time. And when my father has just died, and a very orthodox Christian, and he had ideas of what happened to life after death and reincarnation. I tried to tell him, but he wouldn't listen to me. And a friend was with uh, a healer who Paul Tandy, some of you may know, who was sitting. And Alan said, can you tell me about my friend Eric? You know, he was he was buried today. How is he getting on in the fortnight he's been gone? And Paul Tandy came back and said, actually, he's suffering from shock because it's not as he thought it was. He was a church warden and very orthodox and he had definite ideas and he was actually just in a sort of shock, a delayed action, if you like. And a thought like Nature, Alan asked again, how was he? And he said he's fine. He was open minded. He saw what was in front of him. He had a very strict moral code and so that stood him in good stead. So fine. He's gone on to the halls of learning. And he said a very throwaway remark, which spiritualists jargon tends to be every day and he's catching up with his reading now for some people that phrase wouldn't have meant a thing but daddy couldn't read for the last 18 months and he bugged him every single day of his life so that little phrase mm. ah and he's catching up with his reading was spot on and I it made me a lot happier because you get all the help you can to get out and to understand your life that has just gone Before you start going up into the astral and the spiritual planes to prepare for the next life, apparently when you're right up in the spiritual, you get this terrific yearning to come back and help mankind and his evolution again. Just like my old mother today at the old people's home, she has a yearning to go. So there is a time for every season, and a season for everything under heaven. There's a time to go, but there's a yearning that happens at the beginning and the end of each journey. And when we leave on the etheric, people like Florence Nightingale, apparently, are helping people undo their etheric bodies from their physical, so that it's taken off into the etheric plane intact. But people like Mary Baker Eddy, who was a great Christian scientist, and she had one or two things that she said that weren't actually true, and she sort of knew they weren't true. She is in the welcome Group, if you like, to meet Christian scientists to actually explain to them what she said that was wrong, which I thought was fascinating. Because when I first read that, I went back into the Christian science books and onto Mary Baker Eddy's life. And, you know, it was just one of those things that she did what she had to do, but she got the personality and the pride leading her astray, she got too much into the personality which is every temptation that we all have and a ghost that we see as a ghost for those who do people who are trapped in time is really a disassociated fragment of a personality that has become split off from the rest and remains imprisoned in a timeless present So when people do spiritual rescue and send a ghost back into the light, it is a fragment of themselves that for some reason a great, great pull or accident or trauma keeps them there. So it's a fragment of the whole personality. Poltergeist, of course, is the disturbing energies that are generated from teenagers and emotionally upset people. Um, But that's generated from here, not from the other side visitations and visions an aspect with sufficient will to manifest with a message so that when you get somebody a relative of somebody very close to you coming back and standing say at the end of your bed and saying something to you and you think you're dreaming but, and other people I know have actually seen it it's a sort of vision that is an aspect from somebody strong whose sufficient will to manifest Because manifestation, once you've gone, takes an awful lot of purity as well as everything else. So whether they are stuck and what gets them on, people who do spiritual healing can move them on so that reincarnation for them becomes possible. Because presumably if you've left a little bit behind, you might not be able to start the process of coming back. God the Divinity is almost like a wheel, just how I started when we are on this wheel and in a spoke we go into the hub back to the source and then when reincarnation comes again you come down another spoke to go again onto the karmic wheel The most of it is beyond our ken but at the Tippling philosopher a little while ago um, Ian Lawton was talking about Dr. Michael Newton and he uses a lot of children who have given their past and what they can see over on the other side and apparently we return to something like a chandelier which is like a family our light which is our individuality goes back onto a sort of chandelier and you can tell on this chandelier those who are in incarnation and those who are not because if the light on this chandelier is dim that person is incarnation down on the earth at the moment which i thought was a fascinating idea and Happiness gives a yearning to return so that if we were happy presumably from over there we yearn to return for the happy moments and something draws us to the happiness we know when we were one with our source Nature shows us we keep turning and returning to return to serve in the evolution of mankind in whatever capacity we choose so judge not anybody because Otherwise, ye yourself will be judged. We are warned many times. Judge not, aren't we? Karma is a paradox because we have good karma. People tend to talk about karma as if it's always bad. But it's actually not. It's good. You can have a lot of good, like putting, banking up, like the weakest link, you bank into your higher self. Reincarnation is a fascinating subject which is ongoing. Tonight we are creating our next life. Love of God gives us many chances. Be ye perfect, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. So why the hell do we make it so difficult? If we give up our pride and our self, we enter a new way of thinking and living, which then offers us a whole lot more challenges. Stick with the now. It will influence your next reincarnation. So by doing this with you tonight and sharing what I have learned and experienced I'm actually building something into my next incarnation what it is, I don't know yet (laughs) and luckily there are lots of things we aren't to know because it would be too much it really would but our relationship to each other is just so important no man is really an island even if we're trying to be whole and balancing our male and female aspects we still need each other um, it is sort of um, like a sleep the reincarnation almost like you go to bed at night and as I said your, your astral and your spiritual body leave you and they come back in the morning so there you have a going and a coming back everything like the tide goes and come back and we just echo nature in everything we do. Beware of hypnotism. Beware of aggression. Go for aggression with somebody you really trust. Because sometimes we can sort of hypnotize ourselves into believing all that we are saying. There are no shortcuts. Experience is our teacher. And it's no good thinking we can assume the lotus position for a few moments and instantly find yourself in constant contact with the infinite you may be convinced or even have hypnotized yourself into believing this but the steady long journey of learning testing, understanding and living with loving kindness brings the law of grace to meet us, to change us and actually to help us home so if we can live very simply with loving kindness and not be aware of how many brownie points or anything else we're getting forget that side you've got a higher self you've got your guardian angel and you've got your god that is actually seeing to that side so it's living in the moment everybody like living in the now because now is all we have at the moment